0: 18 years is a long time, unless you're an 18 year old, right? And you know everything. But for most of us, 18 years is a long time. And for 18 years, this woman stared at the ground. Her line of vision, if she lifted her head, Put her online with the behinds or worse of her neighbors, friends, and family. For almost two decades, in a time where people didn't live much longer than two decades, she had that same hopeless view. But then she walked into the line of vision of Jesus, the one who changes views opens eyes, and transforms brokenness into strength. And she was healed. She could at long last embrace the world, look into the eyes of those she was speaking to, hold a child, or reach up onto a high shelf to get an ingredient. It's an important skill. Her life was transformed, and she stood up straight, praising God. The folk in her congregation that had been worshiping with her every Sunday and had known her ailment and and seen her as she dealt with this affliction were so happy for her. I watch y'all as you cheer for one another and as you care for one another in pain and in joy. And I know that if someone in our congregation was healed from something that they suffered for so long, all of y'all would be so happy but her healing wasn't met with just that joy. There are some, the leaders in that faith community, who met the healing with fear and anger. I find it one of the most disturbing things about Jesus' earthly ministry that people there was always people who were angry when Jesus healed someone. Every time, this healing is not an isolated incident. There are so many accounts of Jesus healing folk and and their neighbors and friends and family and faith leaders being angry about it. It doesn't make any sense that there would be any other reaction other than joy is beyond me. But, But people are creatures of habit and change is scary. And sometimes we don't even realize that we have gotten so accustomed to the brokenness of others that their healing can challenge our sense of the way the world is change is scary even if it's for the better and the offspring of fear is anger right next time you see someone angry or you yourself are angry ask yourself What am I afraid of? And if the child of fear is anger, then its grandchild is violence. And violence creates fear, so it becomes a terrible, vicious cycle. Fear is a powerful, powerful thing. And fear of change is one of its most insidious forms. Fear of change has kept a lot of folk in terrible situations for a long time. It's kept people in bad jobs, in unhealthy and abusive relationships, in toxic habits, in, in lying about who they truly are, in negative thought patterns, and so much more. The unknown can be scarier than the terrible scenarios that we find ourselves in. And sometimes it is simply easier to keep that familiar holding pattern no matter how destructive it is. The religious leaders on hand for the Sabbath day, where this woman was healed that had been bent over for 18 years, did not like it. They were frustrated that Jesus changed something in their familiar environment and were annoyed that he did so on the one day that they had complete control of the community. The Sabbath, they said, was not for work. Remember, he said to the whole group there, if you guys want to be healed, just come back the other six days. Come on. You should have waited until a Tuesday to come by here with that mess. But their anger reveals something. Their anger reveals the fear of loss of control. Because if this Jesus walks in on the scene and just starts healing people, starts giving out for free what they had held so closely and so controlled, what would happen? to their familiar patterns. Jesus was not impressed. He called them out on their hypocrisy, and I believe Jesus gave that woman an amazing hug, eye to eye. We hear echoes in the fear, anger, and control of the religious leaders in our Luke text of the Isaiah text. This Old Testament passage was meant for people who had gotten very annoyed that God had not given them the blessings that they were waiting for, given the fact that they had kept all the rules. Right? It just wasn't fair. They had jumped through all the hoops. Look at how well we fast, they cried out. Look at the way that we keep the Sabbath so holy. Look at our piety. Look at how we keep those out that should be kept out. We do all the rules. Bless us. God, through the prophet, was not impressed. Bless you? Excuse me? Since when did jumping through hoops make some kind of cosmic transaction where you get what you want? What good is your piety doing? Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to see the face of God? Do you want to experience living in the will of God? Then feed the hungry. Stand up for the oppressed. Stop living for only yourself. Give to others. Serve. Do this, and you will find life is an ever-flowing stream of joy and grace. Church, this is not a formula for getting something. It is a fact of the universe that God created. Get the difference? We don't serve others to be blessed. We are blessed when we serve others. God has made it the balance of the entire universe that when we help, serve, love, care, sacrifice for one another, we get more than we give. That's the way it's set up. I know many of you have had this experience over and over and over again, haven't you? You tell me about it. I've had this experience. When we give, when we love, when we contribute to those in need, somehow, miraculously, because the God who created this universe made it this way, we get more than we have ever given out. Yesterday, we had the opportunity to go to Skagit Pride. We just went and we, honestly, we went and blew bubbles and had fun and played with sidewalk chalk. That's all we did. And yet we were met with incredible grace, love, and and thanksgiving from folk who had been ostracized from the church for so long. Thank you, church, for smashing the lie that there is anyone outside the fold of God's love and inclusion. All we did was show up. And we got so much more in return. This is the economy of the kingdom of God. We are not meant to live Just for ourselves and for our own benefit, we were created to serve, love, and care for each other. We were created in the image of the Most High God who cares not at all for the rules, but will heal, transform, and smash lies with love and grace. Have you ever considered that perhaps your view needs to change? that maybe you have like the bent over woman in Luke's gospel been looking at the ground for so long it seems normal maybe you've been so stuck in your field of vision seeing nothing but you know the hind ends of everyone that you see that a future with hope and opportunity seems beyond your grasp maybe you don't have the vision to embrace positive change in yourself and others. I don't know what it is. There's so many different ways, folks. We're all so diverse in our brokenness, in our strengths, in our pain, in our joys. Where is your vision stuck? If we are so bent out of shape that all we see is the ground, there's no way we can see the faces of those around us and serve them as we are called to do. And if we're so bent out of shape theologically that we think that the church exists only for us to jump through some piety hoops so that we can get what we want, we're stuck and we can't see the vision that God has for us as God's hands and feet. Can we risk our fear and our habits and trade them in for a bear hug from Jesus face to face? Yesterday at the event in downtown Mount Vernon, there were lots of folks with free hugs T-shirts. Have you seen these, like free dad hugs or free mom hugs or free aunt hugs? Just free hugs in general. Um, there are some. Have you ever hugged somebody that doesn't like to be hugged? It's so funny. Oh my goodness, they're so awkward about it. They're just like. Oh. But on the other hand, hugging someone who's a hugger now that's fun, right? Like if, if a hugger hugs you, and it just feels good. And so there's people that don't really want, they see the free hugs and they're like, no, thank you, do not make eye contact. I do not want to have to hug that person. But there's others who have been longing for a good hug all week, and it feels so good to get hugged by someone who has no other agenda but just to say, hey, you're precious, you're beloved. I believe that our God is a good hugger. And our God is a free hug kind of God. And that Jesus hugged that woman when she was raised up, praising God. And that God invites us into a face-to-face hug, where we see reflected in God's unconditional love what is possible if we would only let go of our fear and step out into grace. Let me tell you something, beloved church. You know I love you. You know I support you. But I do not want you to be comfortable. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to keep looking at the ground. It says not as good as it gets. I want you to be raised up praising God and get a big old bear hug. I want you to look with joy at the horizon, to look with compassion at your neighbor, to have the perspective to see your own brokenness and shortcomings and ask for forgiveness and work toward reconciliation and healing in your own heart. And then as it flows out into the world, I want you to be so full of holy discontent that you cannot help but be repairs of the breach and restorers of the streets to live in for all of God's children, including you. I want you to be healed. Thanks be to God. Amen.